this isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did Caesar live here? Um, no. I don't think so. I went to Vegas last weekend. Pretty crazy. Vegas, baby, Vegas! Gentlemen, welcome to Las Vegas. Why don't you give me half the money you were gonna bet? Then we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day. Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 24 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host for this podcast journey to my favorite city and yours, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. This episode, it's another world-famous Jeff Does Vegas trip report. As in past trip reports, I'm going to run through the highlights and lowlights of this trip, including reviews of my hotel and the restaurants that I ate at, some of the attractions I checked out, and some quick tips and tricks to follow on your next Las Vegas vacation. So without any further ado, let's get things started. I'm going to begin with the hotel. For this trip, my fourth of 2019, I chose Bally's. Now, I've stayed at Bally's before, but not since I started doing the podcast, so I was excited to be able to share my thoughts on the property with you, the listeners. First off, the location. Bally's has what I'd consider to be one of the best locations on the Strip. You're pretty much dead center of the Strip, across the street from the Bellagio and Kitty Corner to Caesars Palace. You've got the Paris next door to the south, and the Cromwell and Flamingo directly to the north. You're steps away from meals and shopping all up and down the Strip, not to mention the Grand Bazaar shops featuring stores and restaurants right outside the front door, as well as the other great restaurants that are right inside the hotel. I had a flawless check-in experience, but that was mostly due to my status as a Diamond member with Caesars Rewards. As such, I have access to a private check-in area away from everyone else. However, in looking at the check-in line when I arrived late afternoon, the line wasn't too long and seemed to be moving quite quickly. I did notice a whole bunch of new self-check-in kiosks at the front desk, which seems to be a trend that a lot of hotels are moving towards. Also, I had been sent an email earlier in the day to allow me to check in online, meaning I could just proceed to a kiosk and get my room key, then go straight to my room. However, I wanted the diamond experience, as this was my first stay at a Caesars property since getting diamond status. I'd booked a newly renovated resort king room, and I have to say... I was not disappointed. The room definitely looks fresh with new carpet, new paint, wallpaper, and furnishings, and a nicely renovated bathroom as well. I ended up with a high room on the 25th floor, east side of the resort tower, so I was facing away from the strip, which was fine with me. I find that the non-strip facing rooms are quieter than the ones facing the strip since you're not hearing traffic. One of the best parts of the room, and I've found this with most of the Caesars properties I've stayed at, is that it has a fridge, which is perfect for storing water and refreshments. Now, one weird little quirk of the room was the lack of accessible outlets near the bedside tables. There's plenty of plugs elsewhere around the room, including a whole bank of power and USB plugs on the console underneath the TV, but the plugs that the lamps and alarm clock plug into are behind the headboard of the bed, meaning there's no way to plug in a phone to charge at your bedside. 
Now, luckily, I'd brought a small extension cord with me to use when I was recording interviews on my digital recorder, but if I hadn't brought that, I'd be somewhat screwed. Otherwise, the only other complaint I have about staying at Bally's, and this is the same complaint I have about staying at any Caesars property, is the Wi-Fi device limit. They still only allow two devices to be connected to the Wi-Fi as a part of your resort fees. Anything above that, they charge you $15 a day. I really wish they'd open it up to allow more devices per room. Overall, though, I can't say enough good things about Bally's. The location is excellent. The amenities are awesome. And if you hunt around and wait for the right dates, you can often find some excellent rates. Next up, let's talk shows and attractions. As per usual, I scheduled my trip around Monday's Dark, which I've talked about at length in past episodes of the podcast. If you're a new listener, I'll briefly fill you in here. Monday's Dark is a twice-monthly charity show held at an off-strip venue called The Space. Every show raises a guaranteed $10,000 for a different Vegas-area charity. Also, each show includes a different musical theme, and the host-slash-creator of the show, my friend Mark Chinook, calls on his Las Vegas performer friends to come in and be a part of the event. Tickets start at just $20, and all the money from tickets sold goes to benefit the featured charity. As usual, the show was amazing. This time, the theme was the music of Earth, Wind, and Fire being featured, and the band absolutely knocked it out of the park with an incredible performance. The singers, also fantastic with lots of Monday's Dark veterans, as well as a few first-timers. If you want a sample of some of the show, go search out Monday's Dark on social media. They've got videos up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I also finally had the chance to go hang out with my good friend Kenny Davidson at Don't Tell Mama, a piano bar downtown on Fremont Street. Kenny is an amazing piano player who I've talked about before on the podcast. He's the musical director for Monday's Dark, and he hosts the Kenny Davidson Celebrity Piano Bar at the Tuscany Suites and Casino every Friday night. He also hosts at Don't Tell Mama every Wednesday and Saturday night, and he's been asking me to come down and see him there for a while. However, I'm very rarely in Vegas on weekends, and I'm usually flying home on Wednesday or early Thursday morning, so I've never had a chance to go and see him. Don't Tell Mama only holds about 100 people, so it's a nice, small, intimate little spot, but it's a lot of fun. It's a piano bar, but it's also a karaoke spot. You write your request, you pop a tip in Kenny's tip jar, and he'll play your song for you while you sing along. And if Kenny isn't totally familiar with the song, he'll actually pull it up on his iPhone, and after a couple of quick listens, he'll learn it and play it. It's a super informal spot and a lot of fun. The drinks are cheap, the entertainment fantastic, and another great selling point is that Don't Tell Mama is smoke-free, which is a nice escape from the smoke-filled lounges up and down the Strip and on Fremont Street. I would highly recommend checking it out for yourself. Now, the week that I was in town also happened to be NHL Awards Week in Vegas, so there were lots of hockey fans everywhere. And although I didn't get to attend the awards ceremony, I did get to hang out at the HyperX Esports Arena at the Luxor for the NHL Gaming World Championships, where players from around the world were competing in an official NHL-sanctioned gaming tournament. 
And all those times my parents told me you'll never make any money playing video games, I wish I'd ignored them. The prize pool for this was $100,000 with a top player taking home $50,000 in cash. And this thing was done up right in a big way. ESPN commentators calling the games live, post-game interviews, and a full complement of fans in the building cheering on the games. And the HyperX eSport Arena in the Luxor is legit. Now, I'd been in there before last fall for my friend Lisa Marie Smith's EP release party, but it was cool to see it set up for a big gaming event. Now, it's also open to the public with a full gaming area set up for playing as well. If you want info on it and to find out how you can join in the fun, check out HyperX Esports Arena Las Vegas, all one word, dot com. All right, time to talk about my favorite Las Vegas topic, food. This time around, I had the chance to visit some of my usual haunts and check out some new spots both on and off the Strip. Starting with the places that I've been to before and will gladly continue to visit on my Vegas trips, Saki Rock at the park between Park MGM and New York, New York. If you're into sushi and sake, you're going to love this place with great food, awesome atmosphere, and incredible staff. Guy Fieri's Vegas Kitchen and Bar at the Link. This is one of my go-to breakfast spots on the Strip, and I'll never not recommend the Family French Toast, which is absolutely amazing. And if you're in need of a little hair of the dog that bit you, they've got a massive Bloody Mary selection as well. Gordon Ramsay Burger at Planet Hollywood. Of all the Gordon Ramsay restaurants in Las Vegas, this is probably my favorite. The food is always incredible and the service is fantastic. I don't think I've ever had a bad experience with this place. Highly recommend the Hell's Kitchen Burger and the Truffle Parmesan Fries. And the Henry at the Cosmopolitan. This is a relatively new one on my repeat list. My wife and I had breakfast at the Henry on our trip back in March. If you want to know more about that, check out episode number 15 of the podcast. I was there for breakfast again and was going to try something new and different this time, but ended up going with the signature short rib Benedict once again. And it was awesome once again. Now, on to the spots that I tried for the first time this trip. We'll begin with Village Cafe at Ellis Island. Okay, admittedly, this is a bit of a cheat because I have been here before. I had prime rib with Kristen De Silva here after a Monday's Dark, and you can check out that experience back in episode number 10 of the podcast. This time around, though, I was there for breakfast, and it was incredible. Ellis Island is a cool little casino and hotel about a block east of the Strip. I was able to walk over there from Bally's in about 10 minutes, which really isn't too bad, and it was totally worth it. First off, the best thing about heading off the Strip for food and drinks is that the prices are almost always better than anywhere on the Strip. Just to give you an idea of how great the prices are, I was able to have a huge breakfast French toast, side of bacon, cup of coffee, walk out of there feeling completely full for $11. The most popular breakfast item is their steak and egg special for only $6.99. And as a side note, Ellis Island also has their own brewery on site with an incredible beer selection and their home to the best karaoke in Las Vegas. For our next off-the-strip adventure, let's talk about Steiner's, a Nevada-style pub. 
Steiner's is located well off the strip at the very south end of Las Vegas Boulevard. It's definitely more of a local spot. Steiner's has a huge beer selection, a massive food menu, and the best part, they're open 24 hours. We went there for a bite to eat after Monday's dark, and I have to say I was super impressed. Again, the best part of going off the strip, the prices. I was able to have a huge tuna melt, big order of fries, and a pop cost me $12. That same meal probably would have cost double that anywhere on the strip. And for my final off-the-strip spot, it's Pizza Rev at Sahara and Rancho, just west of Las Vegas Boulevard up near Palace Station Casino. It's a build-your-own pizza kind of joint where you pick your crust and your toppings and then they bake it for you right there. You can eat it in or get it to go. They've got an awesome selection of beers on tap as well. Now, once again, the prices are awesome and it's a great spot if you want to escape the craziness of the strip. Now, the best part of this meal, though, was the company. I was able to connect and grab lunch with Heather Ferris of Vegas Aces. Heather runs Vegas-Aces.com, an online dealing school where you can learn to deal and play casino table games for free. Heather was my guest back on episode number 13 of the podcast, where she educated me on how to get over my fear of playing a table game in Las Vegas. It was great to finally meet her in person and add her to my Vegas circle of friends. Okay, now let's talk about on-the-strip spots. We'll start with Earl of Sandwich in the Miracle Mile shops at Planet Hollywood. I was looking for somewhere quick and easy for breakfast, and this place definitely did the trick. For an on-strip spot, it was super reasonable price-wise as well. I had a breakfast burrito, which was absolutely stuffed and was delicious, and an orange juice, all in nine bucks. Again, not too bad for an on-the-strip joint. Next up, I want to talk about Yard House at the Link Promenade. This place has been on my radar for a while, and I've walked past it a few times, but previously had never made my way inside, and honestly, I'm really not sure why. That being said, this place was fantastic. They have a massive selection of beers on tap from all over the world. They do a happy hour Monday to Friday from 3 to 6 with half-price appetizers, half-price pizzas, and amazing drink specials. And their food menu is incredible as well. I had the lobster agnolotti, which was basically like a larger ravioli stuffed with lobster. And they weren't messing around with the seafood in this dish either. In addition to the pasta stuffing, there were huge pieces of lobster and prawns in the sauce as well. The food was delicious and the portion size was perfect. In addition to their location on the Link Promenade, Yard House also has locations at Red Rock Resort and Casino and Town Square south of the Strip. This trip, I also had a chance to try the Still at the Mirage. This is another one of those spots that I've walked past a million times, but for one reason or another, never actually have gone into. This time around, decided to give it a shot. The atmosphere is cool. It's got sort of a man cave feel to the place. They've got a great bar set up in the middle of the room. They've got a great selection of beers on tap, a huge cocktail menu, and a pretty decent food menu as well. I went with the grilled fish soft tacos, and to drink, I had a Moscow mule made with a vanilla bean vodka. Fish tacos were great, and the mule had a nice little kick to it. But if I'm being honest, the meal was a little bit pricey. All in with a tip 
this was close to 50 bucks. In my opinion, a bit high for what it was. Again, the meal was delicious, but based strictly on the value, I don't think I'll be returning. And last but not least, let's talk Irish bars. Now, regular listeners of the podcast know that Nine Fine Irishmen in New York, New York is my jam. I've been a longtime customer of theirs and have been singing their praises for years. Great food, great Guinness, and great staff. This time around, though, I thought, you know what? I'll try something new. And I'm glad I did. Let me introduce you to my new favorite Irish bar in Las Vegas, Rira at Mandalay Bay. They are located in the shops at Mandalay Bay, about halfway between Luxor and the Mandalay Bay Casino. Starting with the bar itself, according to their website, it was restored in Ireland and then shipped to Las Vegas to be installed, along with the rest of the pub, which is just kind of cool and gives it that authentic Irish pub feel. They do breakfast, including the traditional proper Irish breakfast, which is served all day, as well as lunch, afternoon tea, and dinner. The menu is massive, with something for everyone's taste. I went with the traditional bangers and mash, mainly because I was curious as to how it would stack up against Nine Fine Irishman's bangers and mash. Rira blew them out of the water. Everything about Riras was better. The sausages were better. The potatoes were better. The gravy was better. Riras included a, a side of peas and some fresh cherry tomatoes. Paired with a pint of Guinness, this was probably the best meal I had on this trip, and I will definitely be back to Rira. <laughs> I'm going to close things out for this episode of the podcast with a few quick little notes that I wanted to share. First off, I'm embarrassed to admit that on this trip, I failed to follow one of my own pieces of advice. Always check to see what conventions are in town. One night during the trip, I decided to head over to the Venetian to grab a bite to eat. I had it in my mind that I really wanted to go back to Yardbird, where my wife and I had eaten on our trip last December. Imagine my surprise when I discovered that Hewlett Packard was hosting a huge convention at the Venetian with over 12,000 attendees and literally almost every restaurant was booked for private VIP events. As such, that was the night I ended up across the street at the Mirage eating at the Still. And a couple of tips and tricks for Vegas visitors. Number one. For the love of all things holy, if you're going to stop to check a map or take a photo, please step the hell out of the way. I get it. There's a lot to see and Vegas can be a confusing place to get around, but you're not making any friends when you get off the end of an escalator or step out of an elevator or walk through a door and just come to a dead stop. There's a massive crowd of people behind you and they're not happy with you. Just a quick step out of the way is all it'll take to keep everyone smiling. And tip number two, only suckers drag their luggage up and down the strip. Seriously, don't do this. It's a hassle for you and it's a hassle for everyone around you who are tripping over your bags. Now, don't get me wrong. I know why people are doing this. It's for one of two reasons. Either they've arrived into town early and their hotel room isn't ready yet, or they have to check out of their room by 11 a.m. and their flight isn't until the evening. 
Folks, there are options to solve both of these problems. Take advantage of the early check-in and the late checkout. Both are usually based on availability. If you arrive at the hotel early and they have rooms available, they'll let you check in. Now, in most cases, they are going to charge you a fee, but who knows, you might end up with an upgraded room. Same deal for the late checkout. If it's not busy and they don't need your room right away, they'll usually let you check out late, sometimes as late as 3 p.m. Now, again, they're likely going to charge you a fee. Your other option is to leave your luggage with the bell desk. They'll hold it for you for free until you need it, either to check into your room or to head to the airport. Now, obviously, take out valuables like passports and cash and carry those with you. And if you're concerned about theft from your bag, use a luggage lock on your suitcases. And be sure to tip the bell attendant when you come to pick up your bags. All right, that pretty much wraps things up for this episode of the podcast. As always, if you've got comments or feedback on the show, or you're looking for help planning an upcoming Vegas vacation, and you want suggestions on where to stay, where to eat, or what to do, please feel free to reach out via social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas, or you can drop me an email directly at Jeff at WalkerNewMedia.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are uploaded. And be sure to check out past episodes at jeffdoesvegas.com or on your favorite podcast player. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 24 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast, a Walker New Media production.